I never had this moment where I said, I'm really good at this thing, and I'm going to go in that direction at the beginning. When he's kind of put something in our heart, when we know it's a new season to start something new, we really are unstoppable. Welcome to the Jesus Storybook Bible Podcast, a place where we remind you that grace can rewrite any story, that hope shines a light through our darkest moments, and that God's love changes lives. Here's your host, New York Times bestselling author, Sally Lloyd-Jones. Hello, I'm Sally Lloyd-Jones, author of the Jesus Storybook Bible, which tells the story of God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Welcome to the show. So today we're talking all about failure. Oh dear, what a downer. No, but wait, actually, it's quite the opposite. And our guest will tell us why. But before she does, here are three other people who also know something about failure. The first one is Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. And he said this about his own record. He said he'd lost almost 300 games. He'd missed over 9,000 shots at goal. 26 times he was given the ball to take the game-winning shot and missed. But Jordan said the reason he succeeded boils down to his failures and using failure as a stepping stone to success. His shooting average was just below 50%, which means to score, he had to take two shots, one to fail and one to succeed. Oh, and then there's this other guy you may have heard of, Thomas Edison, inventor of the brilliant light bulb. Well, he said this about his many failed attempts. I have not failed. I have just found 9,999 ways that do not work. And then there's St. Paul, who literally boasted about his weakness and his failures. Why would he do that? Because when he was weak, he said, God's strength could be on full display. The Bible is filled with failures, in fact. Alan Redpath, the British theologian and pastor, said this, The Bible never flatters its heroes. It tells us the truth about each one of them, in order that against the background of human breakdown and failure, we may magnify the grace of God and recognize that it is the delight of the Spirit of God to work upon the platform of human impossibilities. Isn't that wonderful? Our guest today knows the importance of failing for learning. She's seen firsthand how God has worked in her weakness. Speaker, author, business coach and podcaster Ali Worthington built her business after her family lost everything and had to file for bankruptcy. It was out of that that has come her life's mission, to help people grow a fierce faith, to not be afraid of failure, to build their dreams and ultimately to love their life. She's passionate about helping women believe in themselves and to stop self-sabotaging themselves and to reframe how they view motherhood in the face of the tremendous pressures to compare and despair. Ali encourages us to never give up, to trust God who shows up in our weakness and who promises to guide our steps, however small. I wonder where in each of our lives we too might fail forward. So without further ado, please welcome my friend and now yours, Ali Worthington. I'm Allie Worthington. I live outside of Nashville with my husband 
and we have raised five sons. I also have a beautiful stepdaughter. I have the great joy of getting to be a work from home mom and run my own company. I'm a business coach, I'm an author and a speaker and a podcaster, and I get to help women be able to reach their dreams with whatever God is calling them to do. So it's a really fun life. Way back in 2006, I was in a bookstore and I felt like God told me that I was going to write a book one day. So I went and Googled with dial-up Wi-Fi, how do you get a book deal? And the answer was depressing because it was, if you're not famous, which I wasn't, or infamous, thankfully it wasn't, or well-connected, you aren't going to get a book deal. But then the next search result was, if you have a blog, you can prove that you have something to say because you can build an audience and then publishers may want to publish a book. So my next Google search in 2006 was, what's a blog? And that put me on the road to blogging. I had four sons at the time. Now, right after the birth of my fifth son, my husband had been out of work for a year. This is in the recession that was going on, the housing crisis. He couldn't get another job. We realized four weeks after we had our last son that we were going to lose our home. The money had run out. The jobs weren't there. And we were in trouble. We lost everything we owned except what fit into two little mobile pod storage units. And we spent a summer living with my grandfather while my husband applied for new jobs. And I would Google, how do you start a business on the Internet? I had $42 that I could invest in my business. But I knew I was moving into a season where God wanted me to build a business. I just didn't know what that business looked like. And I knew I had to figure it out. I would look for doors that would open and just open them up and go, is this for me? Um, And then I'd see another door and go, maybe that's for me. And I would pray all the time that the Lord would guide me, but I would be very clear with opportunities that would come up or things that I wanted to spend my time with. And I go, Lord, if this is not for me, make it really clear because I'm about to go through this door. I think something interesting happens when you go through losing it all. It makes you less afraid to make mistakes. It makes you less afraid of failure. So in that season of life, when I look back on it, I didn't have anxiety or fear about starting without a guarantee of success, which so many people do because I had already gone through something so terrible. I didn't let that stop me because I did a lot of things in that first year that didn't work out. But instead of viewing them as failures, I viewed them as a test. And I knew that the more things I tested, I would find the things that worked. It's like puzzle pieces. I was was just waiting to fit the right pieces in the right spots. And I knew that with God's guidance, I'm going to learn something new. I'm going to try something new. I'm going to put myself out there. He's going to guide my steps. And the end result is a partnership with him that it's not all on me. All I had to do in that season was not give up and not tell myself the story. Oh, I don't need to do this. Or this is taking time away from my family. Or it's selfish to do that. Those types of things. As long as I didn't self-sabotage in that way and I kept partnering with God, He was going to guide the steps and I knew I would be okay. For women with a calling, women with a dream, self-sabotage looks like saying, it's not a good time for me. I'll get started when it's the right time because it is never the right time for anybody. (laughs) Self-sabotage looks like telling ourselves the story that we thought we heard God's call, but we must have just been hearing ourselves because 
maybe God didn't want us to, to write a book to tell our story after all, or start a business to help other people after all. Understand that it is going to be more difficult than you think it will be. When we try anything new for the first time, it's going to be harder than we think it is, and we're going to be a lot worse at it than we think we're going to be. But that does not mean we're not supposed to do it. It just means that it's new. My philosophy is if anything is worth doing, it's worth doing really badly at first because we have to have a lot of time of doing things badly before we get good at it. But a lot of times, women especially, we will take ourselves out of the race before we ever get a chance to run because things get difficult and we go, oh, I don't have peace with it. It must be God telling me not to do it. If God's telling you not to do it, he'll make it way more clear than you feeling uncomfortable. My encouragement to you today is stay close to Jesus. Hang in there when it gets tough. Just keep taking little baby step by baby step every day. Bring people around you to teach you and to train you. Put yourself in community and you stay in that and you will be successful. The only way that when God gives us a dream to do something, we won't be successful is when we tell ourselves a story that we aren't meant to do it and then we stop. If you keep going baby steps every day, partner with the Lord, you are going to reach that dream. It wasn't until I was a mom that I fully understood God's complete love for me, no matter what I did. Before I was a parent, I think in the back of my head, I had this idea that he had conditional love. Like, yes, he loves me because God is love, but I could really mess it up. And then he just wasn't going to be happy with me at all anymore. And, you know, I, I wasn't going to be as loved. But there was something about becoming a mother and realizing there is nothing this child can do that could make me love this child any less. I will go fight a bear with a butter knife for this child. My love will just grow more and more and more every year. And then I realized that's God's love for us. And he gives us as mothers this little glimpse of how deep and how consistent and how unchanging his love is for us in our own motherhood journey with our children. And for that, it transformed it for me. And I see God's love so differently. When I mess up, I'm not as hard on myself. When I question, am I worthy? I realize it's not, it's not what I'm doing that makes me worthy. It's Jesus that makes me worthy. This is a passage from the Jesus Storybook Bible called The Teeny Weeny True King. God's people had a new land. Now they wanted a king. But God is your king, Samuel told them. He is the one who looks after you best. We want a real king, they said. One we can see. Go to Bethlehem, God told Samuel. You'll find a new king there. So Samuel went to the little town of Bethlehem. God told Samuel to go to Jesse's house. And God was going to choose one of Jesse's sons to be the new king. Jesse had seven strong sons. Samuel asked Jesse to bring each son in turn. So Jesse brought the oldest, tallest, strongest son, but God didn't choose him. You're thinking about what he looks like on the outside, God told Samuel, but I am looking at his heart, what he's like on the inside. So Jesse showed Samuel his next oldest, tallest, strongest son, but God didn't choose him either. In fact, God didn't choose any of the seven sons. Samuel said, is that all? Jesse laughed. Oh, well, there's the youngest one, but he's just the weakling of the family. He's only teeny. Bring him, said Samuel. 
Jesse's youngest son came running up, and God spoke quietly to Samuel. This is the one. His name was David. He has a heart like mine, God said. It is full of love. I love this passage because it shows so clearly and so beautifully how, as humans, we are looking at the outside of people. We're looking, who's the biggest? Who's the strongest? Who's the tallest? Just like in that story. Um, But God is always looking at our hearts. God is looking um, and can see right through us, knows what's in our heart, and is looking for hearts full of love. And that is so comforting to me. You can get the Jesus Storybook Bible wherever books are sold. To find out more about the book and all of Sally's other books, please visit Sally at sallylloyd-jones.com and follow her on Instagram at sallylloydjones and at Jesus underscore storybook underscore Bible. Before we go, don't forget, God loves you with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Oh, hello. It's me again, Sally. I'm just popping back briefly to say two things. The first thing is, don't forget to subscribe to the show because that way you'll get the stories straight to your phone. And the other thing is, while we're at it, would you rate the show and leave us a review? That would be so great because it helps other people find the show too. I really appreciate your help. Thank you.